Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing early on Tuesday afternoon. Joining me from Austin, Texas, driven out of his office today by construction, is Kirk Goldsberry. What is up, Brian? These playoffs are in full swing. I can't wait to talk about them. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming. And joining us from Oakland, California, fresh back from Sacramento, where the Kings are up 2-0, how much of a victory lap is Anscape's Mark Spears about to take? I just said they're going to make the playoffs. I didn't expect this. <laughs> 2 and 0 on the Warriors. Incredible atmosphere in uh, Sacramento. Both those games are like soap operas. It's, it's you know, the E40 game, not a Draymond <laughs> game. Like, they, they, the Warriors just need to go home, man. They they just need to be back in their comfortable confides of uh, Chase Center. Yeah, well, so it's just the environment in general in there. Um, the Kings have been the more poised team, Spears. And um, it's not over at all, but um, I did not expect that. And I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but the Kings are making the Warriors uncomfortable on offense. This mm-hmm. The Kings' defense is knocking the Warriors out of getting into the spots that they want to get into. Mm-hmm. And it is remarkable. Uh, what are some of the things that you've been watching these first couple of games? Well, one thing we have to say is Michael Brown is doing an amazing job. He knows the cheat code. He knows the recipe to the original herbs and spices of the Warriors, <laughs> you know, and he's using it to his advantage. You know, even on you mentioned the defensive end, on the offensive end, he's basically telling um, Fox and Monk to make this a track meet. Look at these guys as like old men and make them run and run and run. And it, I think it ends up giving the Warriors fatigue on the other end. And so, like, Mike is, like, been the greatest Mr. Miyagi for this Kings team so far in terms of just making them feel equal, making them feel like they're better, making them feel like this isn't a fluke, that they're supposed to be a special team, that this is what they're supposed to do. And there's been nothing that I've seen in these first two games that suggests that they haven't been here before. They That's right. have been poised. They have been put the ball down your throat. They've been physical. They've been tough defensively. They fed by their crowd. And the one thing that isn't really talked about the Kings, well, another thing Harrison Barnes reminded me is like, yeah, if you guys had put us on national TV, you'd know how good we were. Right. Told me that yesterday. But the Kings are the best team in the Western Conference on the road. So now they're bringing that best, you know, they, they to me, they play better when they're on the road than them when they're at home. Spears, all the numbers reflect it. You know, they are coming into the postseason. They were 29th in defense on their home court and 8th in defense on the road. They defend better on the road than they do at home. Now, I yeah. mean, I don't know if that'll carry because let me tell you something. They were not 29th in defense performance-wise in these last two games. Um, no. Kirk, I think the, the Warriors missed – close to 63 pointers 
uh, combined in these first two games. And the Warriors, I believe, just set the record for most threes ever made in a season. It's a it's still a huge part of their offense. Um, and yeah, they've missed some open looks, but a lot of their looks are heavily contested. I mean, Clay and Steph are having difficulty getting clean looks, at least the number of clean looks that we're used to seeing. You're exactly right. And a couple of things that Spears said really stick out to me. And, and the, the Warriors have looked old. Uh, and part of that is credit to the just incredible athleticism and youth of the Sacramento Kings and the game plan. But they've looked old. Um, there was a, a moment in game two where the sideline reporter asked Steve Kerr if he was worried about the turnovers uh, at the end of the first quarter. I think the Warriors had eight turnovers in the first quarter, Brian. Uh, and he kind of dismissed it because the defense was playing well. Turns out he shouldn't have been so dismissive because they had 20 turnovers last night. The Kings got out into transition, had 29 points. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, if there's another player in, in the league right now that's more scary with a live ball turnover, I don't know who that is. Um, they they beat up the Warriors on the glass. Um, you know, they, they won the game in so many different facets. It wasn't a fluke. And I think what we saw with... Draymond, I'm sure we'll talk about that a lot, but is it was it was a frustration moment as much as anything. Uh, and one of the things that that jumps out to me, and credit to Spears who saw this, the Golden State Warriors are the only team in California right now without a serious lead. Uh, all the other California teams are are doing better than them right now, and it's 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 just remarkable to see uh, that Sacramento just taking it to the defending champs like this. And the last thing I'll say to defend the Golden State, you talk about these drastic home road splits. Well, the only other team that maybe has more drastic splits is, is the Golden State Warriors. So going back to Chase, I think they got a chance to even the series up. Um, but what we saw was the Kings doing exactly what they won in those first two games. Yeah. So one of the things when you watch Darren Fox play is most good offensive players have spots on the floor where they want to get to. You can go down the list of great scores in history and you know where they are. You know, Jordan liked the mid post. Once he got in the mid post, Kobe liked to op operate on the wings. LeBron liked to operate on the wings. You know, Dirk had the nail, for example, we could go on and on. Uh, Paul Pierce, remember he likes used to get to the elbow. Um, so Fox has spots where he is very comfortable in getting to, they seem to be, um, you know, he likes to be able to get, you know, foul line extended area on the corners. Um, the trick though, is getting to those spots, right? Like uh, anybody can establish a spot. And that's one of the things where you see the greats, like, you know, Kawhi, I was talking on the last pod about um, watching Kawhi in the in game one and, you know, game two will be tonight. By the time this pod comes out, some, you know, that game will have been played, but Kawhi like knows exactly where he wants to go. And when he gets there, he's extremely comfortable. So De'Aaron Fox has that. He has developed that in his game. Early in his career, he had the floater was really good for him uh, that he has. And he's, you know, he's developed a, a great mid-range shot and he also has the floater. What's so impressive about him is that he's able to get to those spots and to be able to get to those spots on the inside, inside the three-point line, when you are under 6'5", that's really hard. And he does it quite obviously with speed. Yeah. He's always had speed, but the way he is able to, to use his speed to get hit to his spots is elite. And then of course, like, you know, he basically, um, you know, Davion Mitchell hit the dagger three, the rainbow three uh, last night, but you know, Fox hit the big three from the top of the key. And the, I mean, 
what was the percentage chance that was going in? 96%. I mean, <laughs> oh, the ball no came question. out to him. It couldn't have been in more rhythm in of, of a shot in his life than that ball was in rhythm. And um, the confidence at which he goes to is just so impressive for a guy who's doing this for the first time. But I really think it's based, Kirk, in his ability to use his speed to get to those spots. And we have fast players in the NBA. It's not the first time we've seen it, but it is unusual for me to see a guy be able to execute like this under pressure. And like, if I'm the Warriors, like I'm really trying to figure out my game plan is going to be how in the hell, what can we do on our alignment? Because they were throwing two and two and three guys at him and they were throwing two. And by the way, Malik Monk's not far off. Yeah, because no, Malik Monk yeah. oper- operates as the curveball. It's, I mean, he's pretty quick too. It's sort of like a fastball, it's a split fingered fastball. I don't want to make it like a. Fa- he's not a changeup, but you know, Fox comes gets downhill, and they're able to go to Monk, and he gets downhill too. Like they're using that speed. Not it's not just speed in getting a turnover and running to the other end and just outrunning them. It's speed within half court sets mm-hmm. that's beating the the Warriors just to basic rotations. It reminds me, let me give you one comp is uh, Tony Parker. People forget how fast yeah. Tony was and he could get to his teardrop and just, he, he could he score 20 points league. in the paint. Yeah. yeah. He would lead the league in scoring in the paint year after year as a six foot, whatever it was, six foot one. Yeah. Year. And he was so fast and he was so skilled with his finishing. Uh, and that that's the kind of stuff. Great in the playoffs, by the way. Uh, and I, I, I think, and I want to hear what Spears says, because he was in the building. Spears, did the Warriors look as slow in person as as they do on TV, or is it more the Kings are fast? How do you how do you see this? Welcome to the De'Aaron Fox show. I've been watching this. This kid is like a Ferrari, like the the most amazing European car you sports car you will see. He could go to zero to one hundred in the milliseconds, right? But then his body control is so amazing. He could stop on a dime. He, and then he, he, he can slow it down and get around, uh, you know, potential charges and, and, and make this beautiful acrobatic layup. He's, a, he's like a gymnast, not a gymnast, a ballet magician on the court. Yeah, um, I yeah because really part enjoyed- of the, being great with speed is you have to have skill in stopping. Yes. And his his body control is the best in the league. I don't, I don't know anybody better. Um, and the thing that's interesting with him, just kind of going back before the season, his, you know his wife uh, played at Cal. Pretty good basketball player. She tried out for the Storm. And she actually broke her wrist going into De'Aaron's uh, condo. Uh, garage or like this she was trying to hit this code and the car went back and she caught her wrist and broke her wrist and wanted to be in the WNBA so bad that she still tried out with a broken wrist and lied to him about what her deal was didn't make the team anyway she was I believe maybe I think she was a McDonald's All-American all that she could play so his wife is also a basketball savant she used to intern for the Warriors and when she interned for the Warriors, the guy that she interned for was Luke Laux. Now the player development coach for the Kings that Mike Brown hired. And when Mike Brown hired him, 
she called Luke and said, I need you to work with my husband. I need you to take him to the next level. And Mike Brown sent Luke to San Diego to work out with, with De'Aaron every day, get him in better shape, work on things to make his shot better, everything. He's, he's a great player development coach. He even went with them on their honeymoon. And so now I think we've seen this. Luke has basically been on Fox's hip, helping taking his game to the next level. And it, it was interesting that this was his, the connection with his former intern, his wife, that pushed this relationship with Fox that ultimately got him to get in better shape, to fine-tune his game, and take his game to the, to the best level of his career at the best time of his career so far. You know, before we talk about the Draymond thing, I just want to say something about Mike Brown. Right now we got some teams that are looking for coaches. Um, the, the, the Rockets have been doing interviews. Um, the Pistons have been doing interviews. We may see another one or two pop up. No, Mike Brown had been fired as a head coach three times. Um, and, uh, several times, even when he was on the Warriors bench, you know, coaching seasons would come and go and he wouldn't, I don't think he would even get interviews. People wouldn't even thought because they thought, well, you know, he's just not a, He's not a head coach anymore. He's not really a head coach, even though his record was pretty good. But, you know, he had the benefit of having LeBron and Kobe uh, help that record. And this is an ex And by the way, Mike would be the first to tell you he's a much better, more seasoned and smart coach in his mid 50s than he was when he was in his late 30s or mid to late 30s when he got the his first head coaching job when he was in Cleveland, 2005. Um, but this is an example of um, how coaches can be like players and get much more dynamic and better. Because um, I think the I think the head coach uh, award is going to be announced on Wednesday, yeah. or Mike will almost certainly be. And I I'm not sure what day there. Wednesday. I know there uh, is. Uh, what, but what what day is the Mister is the is Mister Clutch the Jerry West Award that you know. Um, mm. Anyway, the, this week, the, yeah, yeah. the Kings are picking up some hardware. Uh, mm -hmm. De'Aaron Fox is going to win best clutch player, and Mike's going to win best coach. Um, I didn't even know Mr. Clutch was a thing. Is that, is that new? Uh, I hope you vote. Apparently, apparently, apparently oh, no, that's right. you don't, you don't, you don't <laughs> vote. Yeah. You don't vote. Yeah. Would, oh, yes. you, you wrote about it? Uh, a long time ago. Man, yeah, my bad, we, we, we know. Bad, I'm just giving you. <laughs> my bad. I'm just messing with you. Yeah, no, they no, introduced I'm... it this year. This is the first year. And bone to pick, if there was one word that shouldn't just be a regular season award, it's this one. Uh, but yeah. yeah, anyway, yeah, De'Aaron might get it. Uh, well, no, sorry, he's, he's he's been phenomenal in the fourth quarter. So yeah. And yeah. one other thing on on his rise, Brian, is that everybody talks about the Halliburton trade. All the nerds like me love Halliburton, but I think the addition by subtraction in that backcourt really opened up. Yeah. A lot of possession opportunities and and sort of trade cleared both. up a bottleneck there. And, and wow. Sabonis has obviously been good for them. And nobody's sad to have Tyrese Halliburton on their team. Indiana's yeah. not crying either. Yeah. Right. Brian, well, this I'm is a, the thing. Yeah. I want to go back to Mike real quick. Um, and you know this. You you were around him a lot when he was in Cleveland. The Mike Brown that we saw, we see with the Kings, I think, is he, what he learned from Steve is how to relax. And let his hair down like yeah. some of the quotes like mike now brian 
I can't wait to see if for you to see him in a press conference. He's no, I've joking. Seen he's well, having fun. He wasn't. Doing he's talking that about his. He was talking about his grandson. Yeah. Which just says a lot. He when I met him, his oldest son was you know eleven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, but he's yeah, let his I'm, hair down, and he learned that from Steve. And uh, yeah. also, I think, and I, I actually talked to Rich Paul about this a little last night. Like, he had LeBron, he had Kobe. Now he basically finally is able to have his own clay. And having coached the Nigerian team also helped him learn how to build his own foundation, how to build something from scratch. So he also had a willing audience. Um, it, to me, it was just a perfect thing because I think for years, he did get a couple interviews when he was with Golden State. But he also had, I remember Brian Shaw used to say, there's a lot of jobs that when he was assistant to uh, Phil Jackson, there's a lot of head coaching jobs that aren't as good as being an assistant coach with the Lakers. You know, right. and that's how Mike was in San Francisco. He got a nice condo two blocks away from the arena. He was getting paid really well. Getting paid really well. He didn't have the he, pressure. He, he signed a five-year deal with the Cavs and got fired after one, and he got all yeah. that money. So he was, oh, yeah. he was not only getting paid well by the Warriors, he was still getting paid by the Cavs oh, yeah. for many years. You go to lunch with him, and he'd say, uh, oh, man, this is on the Gilberts. <laughs> yeah. I used to joke. I remember like during the finals in Cleveland, um, uh, the, the, in Cleveland, they have courtside boxes. Um, uh, like they, no other arena has this where they have almost like little mini suites right next to the, on the floor. And uh, I remember like one shoot around, I was out there joking with Steve and Mike. And I said, Hey, Steve, you see this box right here, this premiums, these they go that they just have to use that to pay Mike's salary this year. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't deny um, it. No, no, he had, he had fun with it. Uh, when you're fired twice, um, you can, you can have that, but, um, yeah, I, uh, Mike's played a huge role and I got to tell you, if I showed Mike video, the Mike Brown that I knew in 2000, forget about 2005, even like 2007, eight when he, cause you know, I will say this, and I don't, I know we don't want to go too far down memory lane. People want to talk about the playoffs, but in 2007, the Cavs beat the Pistons in the um, the Eastern Conference Finals. It was a, the first big upset of LeBron's career. They got to the finals, and famously, the Cavs won that game where LeBron scored 29 out of 30 points down the stretch in over into double overtime. And it's kind of looked at like a, oh man, uh, LeBron just carried those bunch of jokers. But if you ever watch that game, I don't know why you would. It is regularly on NBA TV. But if you ever watch the game, and if you're a Kings fan, you know, you maybe you want to watch it. Mike Brown did brilliant coaching that night. I know that it may not seem like it because you're like, well, how could it be brilliant coaching if a guy did 29 out of 30? Well, I would say watch and you will see how, how he coached them into that victory. Um, but if I showed Mike Brown video of this team that runs up and down and plays with this speed and kind of is loosey goosey defensively and can be gotten to at the rim, um, he would probably pass out and say, that is not my team. There is no way that's, I would never have a team like that. So that's, that's the thing. Um, all right, let's talk about, uh, Draymond real quick. I don't know if we're going to get a verdict today because there's two days off. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get a verdict today. Uh, Kirk, my opinion on the play is that uh, an, an ejection was probably warranted because it was uh, excessive. What's the, um, 
uh, unnecessary and excessive. I think that I think it met the criteria for flagrant two foul. I do not think it merits a suspension specifically because uh, Sabonis initiated the thing by grabbing him for which he was penalized a technical foul. Um, and therefore I do not think that there will be a suspension. Uh, Draymond's history, the NBA, whether they want to say it or not, does, you know, have history. They do let it affect them. I do not think it will be an issue here. I think we will have everybody on the court for game three. I'll take your opinion. That's mine. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Yeah, I, I probably agree, but I think there's just enough um, gray area that the decision could come the other way. And I think if they take into account that we've seen this with Steven Adams or Draymond and uh, LeBron, as you know very well, uh, and including the other things that were happening, it, there was some awkward plays with Sabonis in game one, and then they were both on the floor like Greco-Roman style. And then if you remember, and I know Spears does too, in, in game two, uh, there was a, a foul called on Draymond for another really awkward interaction with Sabonis that was actually challenged and overturned. But there's just been some unnatural, weird stuff happening there. Uh, I think ultimately you're you're right, but I, if, if the decision goes the other way, Brian, it's going to be because this is Draymond Green. Uh, and there is a track record here, and they don't give him the benefit of the doubt um, because of that track record. Yeah, I um, when I immediately saw the play, the first thing I said is he grabbed his ankle. Um, I think if, uh, for those you guys have seen Sabonis up close, he's a mammoth of a man. He's a really huge guy. And so... I do wonder where could have Draymond had land. Like it's this is a millisecond decisions. Um, I think his frustration of getting and what the Warriors will lean on is there's an actual photo where you see Sabonis's arms both around Draymond's ankle. So the frustration of that led to him being excessive in how he stepped. Um. I kind of think that sometimes you got to remember if you slap somebody, you know, you might get punched back, right? And um, some may say it's some gamemanship, but, you know, uh, Sabonis got x-rays and Draymond got x-rays afterwards. 
Yeah. I mean, look, I, it's not my chest. I'm sure his chest yeah. was sore, but I, you know, I, yeah, it's just, just put you know this what, way. Man? I was not surprised when the x-rays came back negative. This, this has been an amazing series. Like if I'm Sacramento, like, no, we want Draymond to play. Right. I, I will want no excuses, man. You know what I mean? Like that. That's the one thing about that. Uh, Cavs Warriors series is I always think about him being gone for two games. It's kind of something that's never really talked about. Well, um, one game, one game, but still that you know certainly had a major impact on the series. Um, you know, I don't know if, the, if it, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm belaboring this point seven years mm-hmm. later, but Draymond was not suspended for hitting LeBron in the groin. Yeah. He was suspended for accumulation of flagrant foul points. Okay. Mm. And, and I know that, that, I mean, I know if you're a Warriors fan, maybe you don't care about that nuance. Yeah. But th- they didn't look at it and say, oh, that he's. But you know, he's, Brian, he's you're dead. right, because that gets lost in the sauce a lot. He, it does he, get lost he, in the sauce. In fact, kicked. I forgot that. Right. right. So he, 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 you, if you get four flagrant, um, if you get a flagrant two, it counts for two points. If you yeah. get a flagrant, one, it's one point. If you get four flagrant foul points, you are suspended. He body slammed somebody. I can't remember who and got a flagrant one. And when he kicked Steven Adams in the groin, yeah. the league upgraded it to a flagrant two. He didn't yeah. get a flagrant two in the moment. And he's, he got lucky with that because if he got a flagrant two, he would have been ejected right there. Yeah. So when he got that second, that, that flagrant foul upgraded, he, you know, because there was no foul in the moment. They didn't call yeah. a foul on that play. Yeah. What people remember about that play is he got up and got into LeBron's chest, which by the way, he then called LeBron the B word in, in that. Uh, I wrote it when I wrote my book about the Cavs 2016 um, um, title, I wrote extensively about that interaction and uh, did def- a lot of lip reading of what, what they said to each other. Um, Draymond, you know, said you a B and um and lebron said i'm a father and i'm a man and a father amongst other things right back to his face uh that's one of the things that joe joe kim noah used to say to lebron and lebron would always say back to him i'm a man and a i'm a man and a father but anyway um so for people who have screamed that That, that, that's a that's an amazing mind check like a mind twist right like how do you respond to that well that's that's the thing like you know i wrote this Uh, I (laughs) i wrote a piece this week your mama, about, like, what do you say? Like, <laughs> well, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, hey, I'll tell, can I tell you this real quick? When I was playing Juco ball, there was a guy named Michael Seawright. When I was playing at Foothill College, we were playing Hartdale College. And one of my, uh, the dude was like 28 years old, played Juco ball. And one of my teammates, Matisse Moore, was just razzing this. I oh, mean, you old dude over here playing, man. What? You, you got to pick up your kids after school. Like, you know, what? Are, <laughs> why are you here, man? You 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 could be my uncle. And the guy says, "Hey, man, I just got out of the service. I served our country, and and I'm just trying to do something with my life. So why why are you saying all these things to me?" And we we're like, "Hey, what do you say to that?" Like, <laughs> oh, it's like that's that's like great trash. I talk. salute you, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> thank you. Like, thank you for your service. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're like, oh, we can't talk trash to him anymore, man. He like killed all the fun of it, you know. So LeBron's uh, retort is actually like, yeah. like, what do you say to that? Yeah. Well, I wrote a piece this week about the the great instigators LeBron's dealt with in his career, Deshaun Stevenson and uh, 
uh, Lance Stevenson and Jet- Jason Terry and even Draymond. Uh, but apparently, if you can trigger LeBron, if you're prepared for the consequences, you can trigger LeBron by using those words. Uh, I would not advise it. But anyway, that's the thing. I think you know Draymond was not suspended for that. Yeah. You know, and so like. And respect to the Cavs for coming back and winning that. That was incredible. Well, again, I would, and I don't want to relitigate 2016, but I would argue that Andrew Bogut getting hurt in game five was more impactful than Draymond's suspension because they had to play games uh, six and seven without their key starting defensive center. The injured Festus Azili, who probably shouldn't have been on the court. Correct. So, um, uh, who hasn't played since? Yeah. Kirk, you, you do think there's a possibility that they, that the league, I, I would be, I mean, I, I don't have, I don't, I admit, I don't have a good feel the league makes decisions now. And I am like, well, I did not feel that. So, uh, but, but, but my feel is that that is not going to happen. Well, I would, I would trust that you're, you're more experienced. I just think there's a chance. That's what I'm trying to say. It's, it's a murky science at best. Um, yeah. I'm not pretending I know what's going to happen in these kinds of decisions. Do you guys think both of them, if if they're at least uh, minimum, both should be fined, or Draymond should be fined, or or nothing. Well, you know, just move on like game, nothing. Draymond, I could see being fined because it was you know <laughs> it was even more excessive than a typical flagrant foul. I think after the game, um, uh, are you talking about the the crowd surfing? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't I. <laughs> <laughs> man i'll tell you what you could probably write a a, a novella about the area around the the warriors bench these oh, last two games goodness. because e40s thing went down right by their bench um after the game draymond you know that's where the politicking started draymond said you know this has happened two games in a row and the officials just watched it he's talking about having his leg grabbed that's not true they gave sabonis a technical foul <laughs> yeah. they saw it they said that's uh, not right. Technical foul. Um, and then um, Sabonis, um, he pretty much wouldn't say anything in the walk-off interview with Jared Greenberg from TNT. Greenberg yeah. asked him, and he he's like, what about this Draymond play? And he's like, boy, the, the fans were great tonight. <laughs> he just right. pretty much ignored <laughs> it. And then he and, had to... And then in the post-game interview, when asked specifically about grabbing the ankle, he kind of went back to himself, right? So... He said, I, he said, I felt I had to protect myself. So like he, he, he conferred with a defense, with an NBA defense attorney <laughs> and they yeah. came up, you know, like that Kirk, that happens like yeah. before post-game press conferences, there's like, oh, you yeah. know, sometimes committee meetings where they decide like, we're going to go this way. We're going to go that way. And I'm, you know, I don't know for sure. I want to be clear. I'm not reporting, but I'm, but I suspect that there was um, a negotiation uh, about what was going to be said on the mic. <laughs> uh, hey, Sacramento, just go get it. Go get it. You don't need the pine to get this dude suspended. Just go beat him. Show that you're better and beat him and move forward, man. Don't have no asterisk. Just go beat him. That's a veteran. Uh, that's a veteran speaking those words. Uh, future Hall of Famer, too. So listen to that. Um, Hall of Famer in a matter of days, matter of months. So, um, all right, Thank let's uh, take a look at a vital, the vital game coming up uh, on Thursday, Wednesday, uh, is game two, uh, Lakers-Grizzlies. 
uh, it sounds like they, they, as of this moment, they haven't issued a full injury report on Ja. They will later today. By the time this pod comes out, he will have been ruled, you know, doubtful, questionable out. I don't know what, even if he does play, we don't know, but he's going to be impacted. So uh, Spears, the Grizzlies are coming into this game. They are not going to have Brandon Clark. They are not going to have Steven Adams, and they are going to have at the best a significantly wounded John Morant. Um, what is your outlook now seeing what you've seen so far? I mean, the Lakers are like this brand new shiny train, man. I'm like, where did they come from? I was at the end of the game, like, whoa, fast breaks, <laughs> dunks, a, a, a new star. Like they, it was, they were like a, this movie. Like, you know, you watch this movie where all of a sudden at the end, after all the adversity, they show up and they get the glow. <laughs> I was like, what am I watching here? They look phenomenal. They look fun. They were like, LeBron's like, hey, young guys, just go have fun. Um, I, I, <laughs> it was like that. It was like, yeah, I'm like, it was like this? dad sending the kids out there. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, they look like a, a, a new scary bunch. Um, obviously, with Anthony Davis, I'm always just worried about him getting hurt. But if he stays healthy, like they they appear capable of challenging anybody. I, I'm just very stunned in their this whole crazy roller coaster of a season that they've had. This is not indicative of most of the garbage that we saw most of the season, right? They look like fun and and right now I, I think with Memphis maybe all the the drama off the court is starting to weigh heavy on this season for them um the injuries are weighing heavy uh Jaron Jackson is um he's phenomenal and I, I'm I'm glad that we're starting to see how great he is and congratulations on the defensive player of the year award but if Ja can't be Ja, then then the Lakers are gonna go forward. Like they have Memphis can't can't have a chance unless Ja is spectacular. Because this Lakers team is, I mean, they they look. I'm 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 just really amazed by what I'm seeing from them so far. Kirk, I, if I were speaking to the Lakers, I would say to them, uh, step on the throat if you can, because you know, in theory. The, the more days that pass and then there's two games after two days they get two days after game uh two before game three more hoop collective podcast after this for the ones who get it done ranger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. The NFL schedule drops this week and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with vivid seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. 
you know, on Saturday in LA, the Clippers are playing the Suns in game four. Game four of that wow. series will be finished before the Lakers play game three. Wow. <laughs> game four <laughs> of Suns Clippers will end before game three of Lakers Grizzlies tips yeah. off. Okay. That has been not real, real welcomed. Now I point out, well, would you rather have that? Or would you rather fly four and a half hours between Memphis and LA? And I guess it depends on when you ask, are you asking when you're over Kansas or are you asking when you're getting up for a shoot around, you know? So, um, meanwhile, Steph Curry takes a car back home after the game last night. Exactly. (laughs) So, um, all right. So, my point hey, can I say this that... about the Clippers uh, spoiled this right now? I was at their preseason game in Seattle, and these dudes had crab legs waiting for them after the That's game. That's well, Spears. Crab so, legs. So, like, at, not I'm, not I'm, little ones. I'm talking about the ones that are spiny. You know, the ones that you could, if you don't cut them right, you could hurt yourself. The king crab legs. Yes. Do you know what crab costs these days? Let me just say this. And they um, had the bibs. Come on, man. They had the bibs on after let the me game just say crab that, legs in the preseason. Let me just say. I'm like, what are they getting the season? Dinosaur leg? <laughs> I'm about to, I'm about to tell you because yeah. the, the Clippers were very kind um, to offer. You no, know, I don't want to say it was a bribe or anything, but they were, they were very kind to offer All the, the media. food, right? Their buffet was ample after the game the other night. And look, you know, it's we're working late and um and it Sunday no night. goddamn crab legs. Well, I I'll just be honest here. I, I'm about transparency. I accepted a, a, a trip <laughs> down the Clippers. Trash, right? Yes. Yes. Um, you know, there what were Sun's employees that were happy to accept part of yeah. the and let me just say that that food was spectacular of course. <laughs> it was it was steak and wonderful uh accoutrement well, no no what kind uh, of steak was it wagyu i don't know spears i ate it cold you know i had to warm it up in the microwave like yeah. like an hour two hours nice later though, huh? like garlic but and potatoes I, too uh they had very high-end mac and cheese very very mm-hmm. high-end and fish and other things um i'm just bomb. gonna say the the Clippers they, they thought Cuban do, was the guy with the amenities. Nah, man, bombers. The Clippers, it, the Clippers do well. Okay, I'm just going to oh, say the yeah. Clippers do very, very well. Now, having said all that, that's the irony about the Lakers and the Clippers, yeah. is that the that the you know the Lakers being the premier franchise, they're relatively like the family, the the mom and pop shop, and the Clippers are like IBM, <laughs> or actually more appropriately, Microsoft. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, so anyway, my point as we got way off the topic is. If you know John Morant's going to get some time here, so even whether he plays or even if he's limited, there gets some more time. So you, so Ja's going to get, you know, probably stronger. So I would say, if I were the Lakers, in specific, specifically because AD has sometimes a tendency maybe to not always go gas to the floor, I would be putting my foot on their backside and say, pretend like you're down 1-0 and going on the road, not up 1-0 going back home. Because 
the Grizzlies, I have to assume, will play with full. And like the Grizzlies have won a ton of games without Ja. Like this is not something that, that, that can be ignored. And they are good on their home floor. They are the they had the best record on the home on their home floor this year. Um, so Kirk, I believe that the you know there's a good chance that the Grizzlies can even this even without Ja. And the Lakers should approach this as an opportunity, not just okay, we've gotten this done. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the Lakers aren't a typical seven seed. Spears alluded to it. I think they're twenty and nine since the trade deadline. Uh, they have LeBron James, yada, yada, yada. But every year, guys, we see one series, if not a whole conference fate, disrupted by injuries. Uh, and what I want to remind everybody of, this is not Memphis. Memphis is coming in to this series without Steven Adams, without Brandon Clark. Now, maybe without John Morant. The question I'd ask the audience is, how many playoff teams could you take two or three key pieces of their rotation away and expect them to survive any playoff series in this league. Uh, that said, game two for Memphis is a huge game for them. If John Morant can't play, the Lakers are going to be big favorites and should win that game. If if Memphis can win without Jaw, that changes the whole vibe in this series going back to L.A. If he is able to play and they win, again, we're not talking about uh, we're not talking about the, the Lakers running away with the series anymore. That's going to die because the, the Grizzlies could certainly win in L.A. as well. But the Lakers, Austin Reeves, we have to talk about Austin Reeves because he gives Incredible. this team a different personality and a different strength in the backcourt than anybody else of us expected them to have uh, just a few weeks ago. This dude was a star in game one uh, and in the absence of John Morant really just drove it and and Spears you alluded to this not a lot of games end on a 15-0 run that was an exclamation point that the Lakers put on that team at the end of game one so yes must win game in game two but let's not forget this is a nightmare matchup for the two seed who's already dinged up uh against the you know the LeBron AD who pressure the rim um and one last thing Jaron Jackson played great in game one the defensive player of the year, but he's going to get in foul trouble at some point in this series. Yeah. And then, then, then that thin backcourt without Clark and without uh, Steven Adams is going to be exposed uh, a little bit more than it was. Can I say something real quick, Brian? Of course. Talk to Dave McMenamin about this. I asked him if those number 15 jerseys were in crypto in the, in the Lakers gift shop. And he said they weren't Lakers. Tell them number 15 jerseys, boy, they should be coming. They should have them hot and ready. Ready for game like, three. How, how is this kid Reeves jersey not being sold? Like come I will on, say, man. you know, he's he's, nice. a, he's a he's a free agent at the end of the season. Um the, he's uh a, um he falls under what is known as the Gilbert Arenas rule about he was limited in what he can be offered, and the Lakers retain his rights to resign him. Bobby Marks wrote a big piece about it. Not a big piece, but he in the my hoop collective column that run ran a couple of weeks ago, he detailed um, what the Lakers can do. And um, so they're, uh, you know, they're in the driver's seat to keep him uh, if they want to pay him. Um, if they want Kyrie, that's a different story, but uh, I would just, you know, keep that under advisement right now. Um, Sign. I am him. Sign him. <laughs> yeah. I want to say something real quick about that. So I want to applaud the NBA. Uh, of course, our, uh, our operations people, um, our TV people, uh, but I want to applaud the NBA because they cleared two bits of sound 
very quickly that were awesome in this last week. One, typically there's this whole process that you have to go through to get sound because there's a, there's an NBA observer who has to, I hope I'm not getting in trouble by peeling this curtain back. There's an NBA observer who sits in, uh, I don't know if it's in the truck or wherever, but they have to approve what goes out over the air. You were, you know, you were not always seeing the, the, the raw stuff and there's a process that has to go down. So one, I want to applaud the fact that we got that turned around and everything during a timeout. Austin Reeves was mic'd up. He, he says, I'm him pounds his chest coming out of the break. It was already ready and going. Um, great job by everybody involved. Our people for turning it around the NBA people for approving it. It was awesome. Second on Monday night, doc rivers minute or in a half, two minutes into the second half of um, his game, uh, the, 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 uh, the 76ers game against the Nets. Nets had been really controlling the game up to that point. He didn't like, he, he drew a play up uh, in the locker room or in the huddle. They, you know, he, he, they blew off the play. He called timeout and he throttled them, uh, throttled them. They had the audio. TNT presented it to the NBA. I have to assume the NBA cleared it. And we got to see with a great camera angle and great audio, Doc Rivers excoriating his team. And they came out and played completely differently at that, went on a big run for the rest of the quarter, changed the game, took control. Um, and be able to go inside like that is terrific. So I applaud all parties uh, like that. You know, re recently we heard Monty Williams with that thing where he um, uh, told Kevin Durant, gave him like a little pep talk during the game. Um, like, you know, I was watching the Willie Masters Green last season, right? Yeah. Willie I was watching Green the Masters. Speech. Right. I was watching the Masters last two weeks ago, and they have those players. Rory McIlroy is playing a hole in the Masters, giving an interview, walking down the fairway, mid-round, first round of the Masters, talking about how he's playing and the shot that he's coming up with it with an with an AirPod and giving an interview. Um, that's the state of the art. And thank you, Austin Reeves, for wearing the mic and for all that. But anyway, um, I thought that those those were great and take the fans inside a, a playoff game and and to have that. And by the way, like the the, the coaches have a a switch; they can turn their mic on and off. Um, if Doc didn't want that on, he can turn it off. Uh, he didn't; he left it on. So um, I applaud. Hey, Brian, was that. was any of the Draymond sound approved from Game Two in Sacramento? <laughs> Spears. I think that's you, still under or, review. Or the E40 <laughs> sound. We didn't get the E40 uh, yeah, the E40 either. sound. Yeah, I'd like to hear some other ones from Sacramento. That Spears probably heard. Yeah, he got a song where he says, tell, tell, tell me where to go. He told him where to go, hey. all right, before he left. Man, uh, yeah, still under, like like the Draymond uh, stomp, it's still under review about that sound. Um, although I. There was a pretty sure I knew a couple of words that Draymond said I uh, could read his lips. If I'm um, him, that picture of the Kings crowd and him yelling at him, like I'm getting that picture frame <laughs> or somebody painting it for me. That was like, wow. I was like, wow, look at this. This is crazy. I mean, it's a great moment. And this is what the Kings yeah. fans wanted, right? This is what they've been missing out on. Like this, this is it. And they're like, still mad at him for what he said on the podcast about them being, you know, before the season about like being trash, I guess. Right. This is it's playoff basketball is the best, isn't it? 
it's the and this is just the this is not even the appetizer. This is the amuse bouche. Did I say that right? Amuse bouche. Sounds right. You're gonna have, you're gonna have to ask the Clippers. Third, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. they had the crab aprons on <laughs> after the game, man. He's, you know, Kawhi and Paul George, like you know, putting it on. Yeah, <laughs> incredible, man. NBA has changed. Yeah, Meanwhile, I remember you one... said the Lakers got like ham and cheese sandwiches, right? The mom... Well, the Lakers are doing just fine. That the bus uh, family made for them. Or the, the, right? the Lakers live a just fine life. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that it's interesting that you know the Lakers are like one of the most hugest brands in the world, but they are right. from a from a backing standpoint, they are dwarfed by their you know inferior uh, hallway mates and. Um, Steve Bomber, uh, you owe me some uh some some crab legs, man. You hooking up with horse <laughs> for meals, man. You y'all owe me some crab legs, bro. I can see Spears in the media room putting the, the computer to the side. He's like, wait, am I gotta take care of this post-game meal first with the bib? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like crab legs. By the way, uh I don't again this will be out of date because I don't know what's gonna happen tonight, but um Balmer was in full Balmer on in game one on I'm Sunday. Sure. He was it. sitting right next to the Clipper bench and um, t- Ty Lu. I, I keep, I keep screwing myself here because I'm getting ahead. You could all be so spoiled, like bad milk. Ty Lu's game plan completely flummoxed the Suns in game one. And Ty was in his bag and he just had this real, confident look on his face he he was very happy with it and balmer was down there celebrating you know ty Lu barely raises his chin you know and balmer is down down there doing just short of backflips <laughs> i thought when russell westbrook made the play of the game that incredible defensive stop on booker and then saved the ball uh off of booker in one swooping action which just epitomized that whole game to me brian westbrook coming out of nowhere to to really talk about disrupt that whole team and that vibe but yeah i thought balmer might shake himself to death uh, <laughs> celebrating that <laughs> his poor wife sitting next to him man she's what a trooper you know yeah watch he's yeah. gonna have a they win this series he's gonna have a psalm at the game he's gonna have like a dude making crap drinks you know <laughs> One of those bartenders from Kirk's neighborhood in Austin, you know, one of them crafter guys. <laughs> Saw him from the from the Napa Valley. Yeah, like Clippers life is good, baby. Uh, all right. Well, thanks, guys. Um, uh, the playoffs are getting going, and we're really enjoying it. Um, thank you to Jackson and Bruce, our producers. And, uh, guys, I look forward to talking to you soon when we have more good stuff to talk about. Thanks for getting up, Spears. And uh, thanks for listening to Hoop Collective, and we'll talk to you in a few days. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.